RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. This is Reality Check Radio, and I want to welcome on the program now from Red Door Recovery, David Collinge, Blaine Collinge, and Justine Hamill. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming on the program. And I think think it's going to be an interesting chat. And it's good to see you, particularly David, again, because we sort of go back a bit of time, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, Victorian days, I think we first met. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Steam-powered radio days. Um, I'm sure there are many out there who have heard of Red Door. I've certainly followed the progress over, um, oh, gosh, five, six years or so. And I'm kind of aware um, uh, loosely what goes on at Red Door. But, uh, David, tell us about Red Door. What is the mission and what sort of climate are you working in, given a lot's happened very recently? Okay, so we um, we first started the seeds for um, Red Door, um, my wife, Tona, and I, and uh, about nine years ago. And uh, when we had a, an issue in the family, it would be fair to say, um, and we found the system and what was available um, unsatisfactory. Um, the old 28 days, see you later, good luck uh, model was, I think, doomed from day one. Um, and what we worked out fairly quickly was that, uh, you know, programs needed to be more holistic and they needed to be for a much longer term. So, the reason it's called Red Door is we, we started from home, our own home, initially with an outpatient program, um, much to the shock of <laughs> of people in our social network. You what? Um, and people will tend to be fairly judgmental about people who abuse substances. Um, but that's not, not the case, really, honestly. From the heart, I can say some of the nicest people we, we meet are wow. our clients. Um, so that got underway, and we introduced um, an aftercare program, a commitment for two years, uh, which was the program is unique. It's all been it's all evidence based, but it's all been developed internally with um, our wonderful team of people. Um, I'm not involved in the clinical side personally, but um, it's that aftercare that um, makes a huge difference to recovery rates. So. Um, that's our USP, if you like, um, yeah. and the people who engage with it have, have a better than even shot at reaching the all-important two-year marker uh, in much better shape um, than they were and often achieving long-term sobriety. So, yeah, hear, hear you talking about the 28-day and you're out sort of kind of way of old. Was that tailored to a different era because I guess – other drugs have come along but it does seem quite brutal like if it's not done in 28 days like you said good luck see you later that doesn't necessarily uh, change anything does it i think it's uh, sort of related to the american system which is um in america um medical insurance covers the okay yeah huge costs that they charge and um that's a whole other story that one the corruption that's happening in the sector in america all based around money Follow the money. Carry on. Um, but, yeah, well, as I say, that's another story. There's, um, we're, we're not, you know, you know my background. and I once earned good money, <laughs> um, but uh, no longer anymore. But I'm a lot richer as, an, as a human being. Uh, so you're not in, in this for the money, David, obviously. We're a non-profit business. Not yeah. for, sorry, not a non-profit charity. 
we're mm. not we we don't make any money by choice yeah, yeah. Um, um the cars aren't as flash as they used to be it would be fair to say. <laughs> right. so um, it, it yeah. matters you know in my last sort of corporate life it didn't matter nothing really mattered whereas this does matter when you see real change in, in okay the- so this has been quite a a thing for you too right in life yes and yes. tanya yes well yeah. I've got my own history of um, partying. Um, yeah, we all have. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's in a way it's it's helped me as a human being a lot. You know, being right. just in this environment. But the you know, there's a lot of problems um, that I think have really quite easy solutions. Um, and one is is a lot we we. We've taken people from all over. You know, we've had rep New Zealand sports people, doctors, lawyers, and we also bring in people from prisons. And um, that's where we've noticed um, an issue um, that we think is is we're not making doing nearly enough to fix. And that issue is called uh, recidivist offending. Yeah. Uh, read this directly from corrections so I don't get into trouble. Um, so 49% of people who go to prison will be back in there. And 50% of those people who are back in there, that'll be within 12 months. If, talking about younger people, if they're first imprisoned at the age of 20 or younger, that um, recidivist number goes up to 68%. Rocky. So mm-hmm. why would that be? Um, Blaine, I think, will talk about what happens when you are released from prison shortly. But um, it aligns with what we're doing for people who are non-criminals, um, and they might be alcohol abusers or, or abusers of other substances as, as well, is that the thing that's underlying the common, and I'm going to go as high as 90% on this of our clients, particularly from prison, um, are suffering trauma. Right. And that's either from sexual abuse, pre-existing, or family violence. Oh, dear. So fortunately, our, our people who have suffered sexual abuse uh, are fully funded to come here, which is great. Um, that's not the case with family violence. But these things become, you know, intergenerational. Mm. So the yeah. person who was abused particularly with family of violence, becomes the abuser and on it goes. So you come out of jail, you've got 350 bucks. Is that what you leave with? Yeah, well, it takes you a few days to get it. But if you're not coming to us and you've been sort of cut off from... Where do you go? That money's gone in a day. Yeah. So it's no no surprise whatsoever um, uh, that the recidivist criminal rate is so appallingly high. When they come here, though, it's it's fine. That 350 is fine. Yeah. Um, and, and look, we're not challenging, like, whichever government is, or whoever's running the country after October, it looks like punishments, are, you know, length of sentencing is going to increase. Both yeah, labor- tough on crime again, yeah. But that'll only delay the problem. They'll get out eventually. It won't solve the problem. But when people come here, we're not just treating addiction. We're resetting their lives. So 
from the main house residence at Red Door, our prisoners will then graduate to a transitional house. We've got a few of those. And this yeah. is all affordable on a benefit. Okay. Gosh. Yeah. Um, and so they'll continue their connection, continue with counselling, continuing on their life plans and goals. Um, and ultimately, in our networks, we're pretty good at getting them, helping them find work when the justice system allows. Um, what do you mean by when the justice system, are, are there constraints on that even? Uh, well, yeah, sometimes with bail. All right. Yeah. They won't be, or detention or whatever, they yeah. simply won't be allowed out to, to work. Okay. And um, our strike rate is, you know, it's it's incredibly high with these people. Why? Because one, when they get out of prison, they're safe and they're in an environment which is all geared about around addiction recovery and also um, human recovery, holistic recovery. Yeah. Their lives. Um, so why isn't that? And when, oh, by the way, when you're in prison, there's no help available when you're in rehab. None. And that might be for a year or more now. And that's when you most need it. People on the come down from methods or GBL or whatever, um, there's absolutely nothing available. Getting into a drug treatment unit can take a year or more, and it might mean moving to another prison. Yeah. So what you're saying, yeah. we, we don't want to sell the program. We just want to say to government, really, why don't you do this and follow the model that we're doing? And that will absolutely put a massive dent over time, obviously. Yeah, but, not instantaneously. But that's, um, we were hoping to do this. We've got a program working title outside, uh, which we were hoping to get <laughs> proceeds of crime funding, but they, um, the government stole that money and used it for other stuff because of, I guess, debt through COVID or whatever. But right. it, just, it, put, it put one rehab out of work and it put our big plan out of work. So what we need is either a, a massive benefactor, a significant benefactor, or more sensibly government to um, help us set this up as a trial in one centre. It's a lower client number thing, which has obviously obvious advantages. Um, trial it in this region and then repeat it throughout New yeah. Zealand. We're not putting... We don't want a dollar for the program. We just want the support to make this happen and to to make a real shift. So, so where's the resistance? Because I've heard this from other entities, you know, around the country. We've got programs going that they claim, you know, is making. I spoke to one um, earlier uh, this week, yesterday, in fact, yeah. um, in the Bay of Plenty, um, on the numbers doing great, but really can't seem to be able to persuade anyone that, that this thing is working. Where's um, the resistance coming from? Because well, surely in the end, it's all about sorting the problem and what yeah. works is all that really counts, isn't it? I, I, I tried and tried and tried to get a meeting uh, with the Minister of Corrections and his office just kept saying, and I got down to 15 minutes. <laughs> and uh, no, he was, he was still too busy to, to have that meeting. You know, I've got a, uh, you know, I've just, the program is all written up. It is ev all evidence-based and, and and so on. I'm sure there's other people who can offer similar things, but it's incredibly hard. Even if you looked at it as a an arch economist, the ultimate downstream savings to the taxpayer, mm. getting people off the benefit, mm. even That's on right. the yeah. level, it 
Mm. Just it's a no-brainer. So it's been frustrating. People who aren't in power have talked to us happily, Mm. but it's the people in power currently that won't. And still, that still doesn't explain the lack of engagement, though, does it? Unless you're patch protecting or you just think everyone else who, who sort of thinks they know what they're doing really doesn't. It's quite insulting in a way, isn't it? Um, well, the the government wants to appear to be doing the things but not actually addressing any root causes. So, you know, until long-term healing can occur for people, it's just going to be that. Well, that's, that's, that's just denial and deception, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, it must be frustrating. We just want to banish. We we don't want to say don't punish people. Obviously, if you break the law, yeah, yeah. What we're saying is you've got to mix in rehabilitation on all levels, on a human level, Mm. and help people reset their their lives and get them out of that cycle and get them off the benefits and get them to to become. Now we see this all the time. Yeah, of course you would. And it's a wonderful thing to witness. Mm. I mean, because you're talking about trauma, you've got yeah. to unbundle or unpick the layers of trauma, do you? Unresolved, unresolved, unresolved okay. trauma going back not just in in the, the person's lifetime, but maybe you know generations. So it takes that one person that's going to be able to or is willing to break that cycle and do that hard work. And often they really, really want to, but they're not getting the right support or the length of treatment um, or the ability to start their whole new life fresh with new connections. $350. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and this is why. Um, that. I mean, it's probably the reason that I work here really is because I saw, you know, a uh, program and a process that's actually you know got a chance of helping people achieve that because of the long-term aftercare and that's something that for me I just feel like that should be just a given for everyone well if you're serious about you know doing something about it you you just you go with what works don't you yeah I'm sure our audience is thinking right now yeah Mm -hmm. um okay so it's all about it, the addiction is to cover trauma. That that that's the self medication, addictive yeah. self medicating sort of behavior that that is generated from trauma. So the most common underlying yeah. factor by ninety nine point nine 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 percent trauma and disconnection on some level um, paves the way towards having to self medicate. Right. Is yeah. it more of a male slash female problem? Uh, who's in the worst situation here? Just curious. I don't know if we really know because the statistics are, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, and also there's a lot of addiction that people don't feel or admit is addiction. Like, like give us an example of that then. Um, well, for example, in the in the time of uh, lockdowns and, and separation and all of that, perhaps the person that sits at home and has, you know, a bottle of wine, two bottles of wine every night and kind of, Seem feels like that's a normal way to live. Yeah, that's way too much. Yeah, may not kind of admit to having a problem with a substance. Yeah, and and could easily explain away to themselves why they should be consuming it anyway in those sort of circumstances. I suppose. Hey, um, have you noticed an uptick in in? I would say business is the wrong word, but in you know in in people in tough situations just recently, given what's ha- happened? I'm just wondering if it's more of a problem than it ever was. We're getting more inquiry um, 
than ever before. Right. Um, and we, we screen our people. So if people are just purely 100% ticking a box, generally speaking, there's nothing we can do. We might keep yep. them for a month or three. So we, we look for people that who show a genuine desire to change their life. You can tell easily, right, who, who those oh, people are. Oh, we've been fooled. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, well, perfect. But there are some, you know, you get a, there yeah. in the assessment process, you can get a feel. But having said that, we had a, um, a gang member come in and after about four weeks, he, he said, look, oh, he, he was, became honest. Um, and people tend to do that here. Right. He said, Honestly, I was just trying to tick a box, but he caught the bug. And since then, he's done a parenting program. Um, he's reconnected with his children and family. Um, he's in, in in our transition house. He's been with us for about eight or nine months. Um, he's studying. And before long, he'll be in the workforce. So that yeah. was an absolute turnaround. And it is a bug you can catch, you know, in a, in a, in a good way. Yeah. But, yeah, we have been fooled, but mostly we're pretty good. Okay, and what is the, um, you mentioned alcohol, Where, where's meth? sit uh, in all of this because from you know if you listen to the news that seems to be the number one illicit sort of contraband in the in the country is it is it still is it yes at, at the moment most of our clients i'd say about i'm going to round figure this about 55 percent meth um about 40 percent alcohol um and the rest are either poly abusers or using or the likes of synthetics Right. And what about um, the affordability of drugs? Because it always used to in, induce criminal activity, really, to fund it, didn't it? I mean, um, I, I know I have no idea of what meth is these days. How much are people paying for this stuff now? Um, well, it used to be $1,000 a gram for meth. Um, the quality these days, I'm told, is a lot lower. It's not as pure as it was. Um, and the uh, the gram price is down to around three fifty. Okay, so while while eggs and everything are going through the roof, yeah, it's been going down in price and becoming more affordable. Yes, I wouldn't suggest it though. Is on the shopping list, it would be highly. <laughs> okay. Well, that, you come out of prison with coincidentally just enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's just a coincidence. All right. Yeah, if you can't laugh about bad stuff, we're we're all buggered, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so the justice system's attitude. We'll get on to uh, on to um, talking with Blaine in just a moment. But the justice system's attitude is: we sort of go through motions, but once once you've done your time with us, we don't. You're out. You're gone. It's like you weren't even there until you come back, which there's a a high chance. up to 68% of its younger people will be back in there. But you, if, if all, all we need to do, I mean, is initiate, is to add the reset, the, the reintegration yeah. to the punishment. Making the punishment longer won't change it. It'll delay. Yeah. That's all. Well, it can breed resentment too, can't it? Per- feelings of being persecuted, perhaps. Um, well, there's all. If you're traumatized already. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, compounding PTSD just from you know being in there. And yes, there's programs in prison, but there's 
people are not able to um they have to armor up in that environment so they actually can't really do the not in the right headspace for, for no them. or context that's like yeah it's like yeah. animals in a zoo trying to be rewilded but it's all backwards <clears throat> what happened with you blaine um yeah so my addiction um and i guess my i was the family member uh, that David Dad was talking about, um, you know, right. why they started Red Door. Um, obviously, I wasn't ready uh, back then. Um, I was just going. I was in an operation. And I was just going into the uh, justice system. Um, so in 2012, I got sentenced for five years, eleven months in prison. Wow! Um, and and that was kind of the start of my. That was really the start of my really bad behavior um in and out of prison so i did two years 11 months first off i i didn't get any help any rehabilitation i didn't know what help was i um obviously couldn't go up to the uh, a big gangster with um tattoos over his face and say hey hey my bro i want to i want to change my life you know that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't what you did in in prison you had to mask up like justine said right. you had to up and you had to survive you know you had to survive this um probably the most scariest and traumatic experience of my life um oh and, and then i got out uh through the parole system um so the parole system is um when basically three people with different ideas determine your future and um and they let you out of prison and uh, with a whole bunch of conditions so before i went into prison i um i was a qualified plumber drain layer um yeah and and i had work to go out to uh, but what that two years 11 months did is disconnect me from all the good people in my life um it's a long time <laughs> a lot changes you know so yeah. Yep. people had babies people were friends with people they didn't used to be friends with so i came back out into this world um that was kind of well it was scary it was it was, it was almost scarier than the the world i'd just been got uh, that i just got used to in prison you know so i came out to this world and obviously i gravitated to the to the connections i made over the past two years 11 months you know um they 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 were the people i found it easier to talk to so I was stuck in the parole system. Um, basically, that meant on Monday morning from from eight to twelve, I had to do a medium intensive rehabilitation program. On Wednesday afternoon, I had to do a budgeting uh, and like uh, CV writing course. Right. Friday morning, I had to do a, a probation check in and uh, like a drug uh, treatment assessment. So yeah. you you try finding a job with those requirements that you can't miss for the next year of your life. Yeah. That's pretty compromising, isn't it? Yeah. So I pretty much said, yeah, I didn't, <laughs> obviously I just gravitated towards those bad. I got recalled to prison um, a dozen times um, over the next three, oh, four years, God. you know, um, and, and those recalls varied from, uh, you know, willful damage to to being late home to to having an argument with my probation officer. So your probation officer has the power just to recall you. Um, Sounds and a bit harsh. Other, Sounds a yeah, bit harsh to me. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is a little bit harsh. But obviously, I put myself in that position. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I broke the law yeah. first and foremost. So um, I guess it's not meant to be easy. But what it wasn't was supportive. You know, there was no support on how to go forward 
Um, so I just got trapped, man. I just got trapped uh, in this cycle of addiction, of uh, negative people. I was a negative person, obviously, and um, and drug use, you know, and it was just in and out. So every every few months, my my life would restart, you know, because I'd go back to prison, and and prison actually became the place I found most safe, you know. I, I, I really liked, okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I liked going back there because I I felt it was my sanctuary and it was my place to get safe, and that's like looking at where my head was. There it was. I just hated myself, to be honest. I hated everything I had done, and um, prison was the place I could escape that those thoughts and feelings, you know. Wow. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, so you've road tested the program, mm. obviously. Yeah. So where did I, your trauma come from? I know you're sitting next to your dad at the moment. So uh, it was probably a lot of disconnection um, as, as growing up, disconnection from um, dad worked a lot, you know, and um, and I was subject to a lot of. Uh, probably things as a child, you know, through my cousins and older brother and and family, I, I saw a lot of drugs and alcohol as a child, you know. So, um, right from a young age, I was selling dope and and um, then that moved to MDMA and then I went to Australia and that's where my ice or methamphetamine habit started. Um, and then I came back here in 2013 and got caught in an operation. Yeah, so. It just gravitated, right. you know, alcohol, drinking a lot of stealing alcohol as a child from my parents and from our family friends. And yeah, just, it just we all used to do that though. Yeah. Actually, you know, um, yeah. It, I guess it, for some, it, 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 it goes in a, a, more into a different sort of area. So mm-hmm. um, when you were sort of trapped in this sort of system, did you want to get out though? Like thinking I got to somehow I got to get out of this. I don't know. Did I want to get out? I didn't want to get out for. But did you have to be shown that you you had to? No, I think it, the the reason why I didn't want to get out is because I didn't want to. I didn't want to um, deal with my emotions. I didn't know how right. to process guilt, shame, embarrassment. I didn't know how to. Yeah. Yeah. So the the thing that helped that was was numbing myself through drugs. Um. So. Until I got taught the tools of how to deal with my emotions and sit through it. I was petrified of doing that. Like I, I couldn't, there was, I was just escaping myself for, for 12 years, you know, for 12 years, I escaped any feeling. Um, and obviously when I went back to prison because I had so many masks on and I had to, I had to put this persona of, of being all good on. I, um, I was not using drugs, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't processing or, or dealing with my emotions. I felt and then inside prison either, because I didn't get taught anything in prison. I just got taught how to survive. And that was through self-teaching. Wow. Well, obviously there's, you know, you come a long way and there you are sitting next to your father right now. And, it sounds like you're kind of a different person now. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that yeah. must have been a great thing in the family. For this yeah, coming out, the, coming out the other side as a parent. Um, yeah. We talk to a lot of parents and, and spouses and siblings of uh, who have a loved one in addiction. And, um, and I always, in my heart, I just want them to experience what, Tanya and I experienced is, is getting through it. We 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 hung in there. It was not an easy time. I can imagine. 
amphetamine psychosis, for example, is a um, a very difficult thing to to witness. And and um, but I just want everyone in that position to feel what we feel today. So you have to put it behind you. You have to forgive and yeah. accept. But we weren't, you know, we were we didn't do everything right as parents either. We were bad enablers initially. Um, yeah. easily manipulated. Um, and yeah, well, no one's perfect, Dave. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got a few strikes myself, but um, you know, that's that. Some of the money, for example, we were just buying the next gram, you know, sort of being easy. But then on the other side of the coin, we we learned we came to a point where we had to draw the line on the sand. We we put them back in prison. Right. Okay. Yeah. Not an easy thing to do. No, jeez, you know. So, and um, but look, you know that's that's all done and dusted. It took a while. We got through, and now I just I get my joy from seeing others. Yeah, I can imagine it's incredible feeling. Like um, pretty hard to to find in any other situation, perhaps. So obviously, in the end as interested taxpayers and members of society, we want these problems to not be talked about so much, but to actually be addressed and solved where possible. So yeah. what do you think you can do? And I'm sure there are other people listening who've, you know, have got, like like I mentioned, we're talking to the trust in Tauranga who had some pretty good successes with uh, under 17 year olds, basically again, unbundling fear trauma. It's a common theme. It seems, um, what can you do to get through to people who have control of the purse strings to actually consider something that works at last? Um, maybe. Yeah, and we won't look. We won't be the only ones. No, I know. We've yeah. got it. What we've got, I think it's unique. Um. So, no idea what how this next election is going to pan out. We've been unable to talk with the current government. We um, other. Parties have talked with us. Uh, Chloe came out here and gave us a good couple of hours. Yeah, like genuinely interested. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was. I commend. You know, I really, really, really appreciated her taking the time to come yeah. out and to listen and talk. Um, Doctor Shane Retty gave me thirty minutes, and it turned into ninety. Okay, well, that's yeah, um, bonus minutes. Yep. Paul Goldsmith is emailing me. <laughs> so. Okay. I mean, I'm an anarchist, really, at heart. Um, who, 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 it's not really about who's in power for me. It's the whole parliamentary system, another story. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we could talk about that too but sometime. We just need a little bit of money to save a lot of people mm. and to save a lot of money. Mm. Well, a, they spent $500 million on rat tests, David. You know that. Yeah, Free. exactly. I mean, that builds two hospitals, probably pays for, for your program nationally ro rolled out a number of times over yet the, the, it's not that there isn't money it's what is it being spent on yeah exactly um and the proceeds of crime that that was sort of totally against the charter to steal that money and use yeah. other things like you know keeping okay. you know rat tests <laughs> that don't yeah um, they weren't even necessary i mean that that's that's crazy no, stuff yeah, we so don't it certainly could have had, had a huge effect. Dollars, you know. mm. We need a couple of mil. Yeah. Mm. Well, okay, that's a fraction of that. Mm. It might even happen through a um, 
you know, somebody with the means. A, a benefactor who, yeah, who yeah, says, somebody. okay, someone's got to step in here. It'll be me. I wish it could be me. <laughs> oh, so I won't hit you up then? Well, I don't mind um, making a donation, but... It, a couple of lazy mil? Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, well, it can't quite go there. Um, but I think um, we should always support things that actually work. This yeah. is the thing. I mean, I think everyone's over all the talk, all the happy talk. They want they want stuff that works. They don't want to hear any any more talk anymore. Yeah, that's my sense. We, and I'm sure others. I mean, there's. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of uh, the program. She is not my rehab. No. Matt Brown and um, his his partner uh, sure. Sarah started it up, um, and it was it's about family violence and obviously targeting males as yep. taking frustrations out on them on women and um she is not your rehabs uh, they've, they've done pretty well they have, i would implore you paul and and your listeners yeah go to innerboy.nz and just repeat that again in a innerboy.nz innerboy.nz yeah if you don't get a bit moist of eye, he tells it true and it mm. tells it raw and real. And um, I won't say any more, but you'll need, yeah, you'll need a, you will need a tissue. It's, if you go to that site, it's real easy. First up, they've done a really good app for people to self consult. Um, free. Free app. Yep. And, um, and secondly, the TED talk will be 18 minutes. You're really happy you spent. And it's that okay. Well, thanks for the heads up on that. Page, yeah. It's 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 um heartbreaking. It's it makes you know his story makes once more warriors look like a hmm. tame, yeah, yeah. Because the reality is, and that and that'll give, and we're all we're, we're it's totally interconnected. What what um Matt Brown is doing um is totally in line with what we're doing, and it's resetting lives, yeah. It's bringing goodness back. Bringing goodness back. It sounds so good. Let's bring some goodness back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can remember that line. It could have applied to something. But Um, no, and now he's, they're not doing their program to make, nobody's rolling in the green out of this. And these things are truly outside. This concept for outside is heart driven. Yeah, probably. Well, it's got to be, hasn't it? Yeah, and uh-huh. community dri- that driven. That's what um, what Red Door's more about. Is it seems to be there's more of a community coming together element yeah. of support than some clinical people and some patients. It's like we're all in this together. Everyone is that the wrong dynamic then to have the old sort of medicalized system where you have got patient which means is i think it's even a subservient role of original yeah. meaning of that uh, well, it's the old victorian structure of everything the education system the government the health that's all very yeah you know yeah. <laughs> so ours yeah. is a the model is therapeutic whanau and that's yeah. uh, to offset the um therapeutic communities system which was developed in the 60s i think and, and still exists to a large extent with a lot yeah. of benefits in a community but we're, we really and it'll sound cheesy we become a family with with our clients. Uh, yeah, I can imagine a big extended family, right? We've got we've got people with you know serious qualifications and so on. But honestly, if you if you walked in here one day, 
you would have trouble figuring out who the clients are and who we are, <laughs> who the staff are. And it rolls like a family and sometimes a bit dysfunctional at times, but what, with low numbers. What what position do you hold at the table, David? Are you father of the whole thing? Receptionist. <laughs> and gardener. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's um, in a low client number model, there is nowhere to hide. And by that I mean... Yeah, I don't just mean do naughty things. Yeah. I mean to hide. There's nowhere to hide your emotions, your, your yeah. feelings, and the process groups and the group counselling. The one on ones is is when the deep stuff is done, but it's it's the other stuff that follows the program yeah. that makes the big difference. The reset, the reintegration, yeah. and the um the, the support over that time. Yeah, yeah. My plane lives at one of our transition houses. They're all managed by a recovery, one of our recovery coaches. Wow. Yeah. And the support okay. um, is 24-7, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much. You know, the, the recovery coaches are on call 24 hours, seven days a week, basically. So Recovery coaches, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it, that, yeah. Is there um, anything that you have left out or want to mention before we finish? I, I suppose, Justine, you'd be – in a great position to be able to say how long how long before you notice things start to change when someone comes in you start talking with them start going through the process i reckon depends if they come in with some clean time if they come from prison quite often they've already had some you know they've dried out or cleaned up yeah um so they're more ready and available for the work um other people come straight off meth the day before so it takes them a good couple of weeks to even just be themselves ish again yeah um, yeah. But I, I I notice that between two and three weeks, you can start seeing people drop in to be able to do the work and connect more with themselves. So it's not very long. No, it, it, I mean that's a, that's the starting point though. Yeah. Um, and it's only a four week program. Like for me, if I had my dream, then everyone would be here for you know at minimum three months and then going into transition so that there's a lot longer to do the one-on-one therapeutic work because yeah. four or five sessions is nothing. I mean, really most people that come through here could do with two to five years of weekly therapy so that you can go into the deep healing work of whatever trauma has occurred and then whatever compounding trauma has occurred with the an inactive addiction lifestyle and prison sentences and stuff like that. So it's a long road, but I reckon... Um, yeah, and within two or three weeks, you can start seeing people's intention and willingness to be here and be on that long-term journey of recovery. And then just the ones that are in after, the ones that are in aftercare now, um, or the ones that have been here long-term, maybe a year or so, you can just really, I mean, they're just um, some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Like, it's just, I mean this isn't a workplace for me. It feels like, I mean, I don't want to leave usually. And it feels like every time I come here and I've told the others that I I have, when I'm driving here, sometimes I feel like so blessed because I feel like I'm home. Wow. That sense of being exactly where I'm meant to be with the people I'm meant to be with doing the thing that I'm born to do sort of, sort of thing. Pretty cool that you can say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's a good feeling. David, what's the best way if people want to find out more and help? You never know who's listening. Um, what's well, the... uh, just just 
Google Red Door. Yeah. Um, and the, the website um, goes into a – it's got a few layers to it, so there's quite a lot of information on there. Um, yeah. Or just give us a call, 0800 Red Door. It's easy to remember. Okay, well, I thanks for doing so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, thank you for doing the work that you're doing. It's very rewarding. Yeah, and you need to be encouraged and supported. I, I firmly believe that, and I hope that comes. Who knows? And, Blaine, good to hear that you sort of came out the other side, and, and while the uh, listeners can't see, I'm looking on the camera. You're looking, you're looking pretty good. Thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah. And you're back plumbing and doing those sorts of things? Or? I, I work here now. So I, um, I, did oh, the cool. I did the program two and a half years ago, a little bit longer, and um, and didn't leave. <laughs> I started, vol- <laughs> yeah. started volunteering um, and then worked uh, from that into a few more jobs. And now I do intake management, bit of everything, yeah, recovery coach, manage houses. Yeah. And if a pipe bursts, I am. Um, deal with that too. <laughs> I, I call the plumber. Yeah, I, called a plumber. <laughs> I just called a plumber. running. All right. Well, thanks so much for giving us a bit of time. Uh, Justin Hamill, who's a um, counsellor, Red Door, or therapist. David Collins and his son, Blaine. Thank you for um, telling us how it all got to this, David, and Blaine sharing your story. Thank you for that. Yeah. And um, um, I really hope you can... You know that time that you got with Retty, maybe if he ends up being someone in power, that 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 could mean something. I really hope it goes somewhere. Well, yeah, as I say, I'm sort of apolitical, um, but yeah, whoever's in power needs needs to have a look at what we've got to offer. Free, yeah, yeah, yeah right, free. Apart from it's, the, you know, it's a good deal. So, all um, right. Well, thanks. Any final words? Anything you'd like to say before we go? I just thanks for thanks for what you do with airplanes, Paul. Oh, thank you, David. I watched that from afar, and I think what a cool thing. What a grindingly slow thing. But you know what that's like. To bring the old birds, you know, give them a bit more time. Yeah, oh, yeah. And and the people. It's all about the people. Mm. And the people who built our nation. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, And um, thank you for having us. Anytime, and all the best. And, folks, if you want to find out about Red Door, Google it. You heard that. And you could probably you could probably help them out in some way, I would suggest. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.